Welcome to this week's episode of Fail Succeed. As ever, we have H with us. Hello, H. Hello, that's my name. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's get into it, H. You've got some good topics to discuss this week. First up is our fail. If you are of a, a, a tender disposition, I would just turn away now. This is a pretty gruesome tale. It's about a farmer in America. Where was he exactly? He was in Nebraska who had a, an accident on his farm. Basically, he accidentally stepped into the opening of a grain hopper. I mean, I'm, I'm wincing at the very thought of this. I mean, so I don't got... even know what a grain hopper is, but it doesn't sound good. Yeah, so, so he, he steps in and his leg gets caught up in this sort of spiral blade and he's trying to yank it out. <laughs> I mean, just if... that word, spiral blade, doesn't yeah, sound Yeah, I think the actual term for it is an Archimedes screw. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah, so he's, he's got his leg stuck in this grain hopper and... He's trying to pull it out and he knows it's not going to come out. And he's on his own on the farm. There's no one around. It's in the middle of nowhere. So he makes a pretty quick decision. Does he pass out and die with his legs sort of being ground in this grain hopper? And by, by the way, he didn't have his phone either, so he can't phone anyone. And then he suddenly remembers he's got his pocket knife. And so he makes the split decision to chop off his own leg. I mean, it's horrific. It's horrific. So he starts chopping his leg. I'm going to read what he said, actually. Let's, let's get his actual words. Okay. I just started cutting with the knife. I knew I was done cutting because I felt a funny feeling. Maybe it was a tendon I cut. So there's a bit more to it than that. And H, um, we'll get your opinion on this in a moment. But he then, like, say, so he chops off his leg and then he crawls to his house on his elbows and calls the ambulance and they uh, they arrive in a helicopter, fly him away, and and you know he he survives. I think he's come out of that pretty well, to be fair. I'm surprised he didn't bleed out, by the way. Yeah. But anyway, uh, he he seems to be a remarkably positive chap because you know he's uh, he's now three weeks down the line, I think, and he's doing his rehabilitation. He's like, yeah, it's fine. This thing's ha- this thing happens in farming. I mean, extraordinary. H, what are your thoughts? Well, he's 63 now, isn't he, I think? So he's probably thinking early retirement, which uh, you couldn't blame him. But um, the thing he said, which no, most... No, he said he's going to be straight back to farming when he gets okay, his processing. Okay, fair play. The comments that he said, which I found the most traumatic, was uh, he was quoted in saying, when I was cutting on it, the nerve endings, I just felt them go ping. Yeah. Now, yeah. if at any point in life you find yourself in a situation where you have to saw through your own nerves and they go ping, then I'd say you haven't nailed it. Yeah, but that, I mean, that's the extraordinary thing, right? Because you would think that was excruciatingly painful, but he actually said he, he doesn't remember there being any real pain. Right. And it's I'm sure that's, yeah. I'm sure that's something to do with the adrenaline pumping through. And, but also, how did he, how did he, presumably he didn't saw through the bone. He just got to the point where he ripped the bone out do you know what i mean i mean no. it's just I, horrific to even consider any of this i mean well if you've fair play to him I mean, he knew he knew he was going to lose consciousness and maybe get sucked in further so he was pragmatic and acted but failing to take due care and attention around machinery is uh obviously cost him are you saying it's his own fault well obviously it's his own fault he stepped into a grain hopper but accidents happen i suppose maybe they'll make a film out of it what was the name of that one with james franco in yeah, was it something like 127? 127 hours. 
Is that yeah. what it was called? Yeah, 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 yeah. About that uh, mountaineering guy. Yeah, uh, was it Aaron Ralston? Yeah, and that is a re- remarkably similar story. Actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And answer to your question about how he managed to get through the bone. <laughs> I believe well, he just he's, snapped it. He snapped he? it back and forth, back and forth. Anyway, yeah, so maybe it could make a film. I don't know who we cast. Maybe I reckon Tommy Lee Jones or maybe Ed Harris as Kurt Kayser the farmer. What do you reckon? Tommy Lee Jones is quite a good shout, actually. Yeah. That's our fail. But as yeah. you uh, as you rightly said, H, you know, he did survive. So maybe that's a bit of a success. Moving on to our success. This is a story of a college hurdler in the US. He was in a very tight 400 meters hurdles race in Arkansas, USA, and it was a neck and neck finish with another competitor. So as they neared the finish line, he did a Superman dive over the line so that he would be the winner. I mean, it's pretty weird when you see this video. It's quite a good strategy in the sense that he wins by quite a distance because he just dives right at the end, even though they're neck and neck. And it got me thinking, why don't they do this more in professional? Maybe they should just have a load of crash mats lined up at the end, uh, just after the finish line, so that the last thing of a a race is that everyone does this dive. Yeah. I did think the reason they probably don't do it is because the top athletes are frightened of injuring themselves. Well, that's why you need a crash mat. Yeah, I know. I know. That's my point. Maybe they could could incorporate into it also like a dismount type thing. So not only do you get the fastest time, but uh, you also get marked by a panel at the end uh, <laughs> for your for your uh, dive and dismount. You know, like maybe it's a dive, forward roll, stand up and present. And actually, I'm looking at the, the still image of him doing the leap. And I think he would lose points because he's not very straight. There's a real yeah. arch in his back. It's yeah, not yeah, good Yeah, feet form. aren't together. Feet you, aren't together. I, mean, I think you, am I right in thinking, H, you did some pretty high level gymnastics when you were a young man? Yeah, my mum's a gym teacher, and I, th- and, uh, I believe I got my bagger too, which means uh, I've uh, I've absolutely nailed the Arab Spring. And remind me, what is an Arab Spring? It's kind of when you can't really do a backflip, but you can do a bit more than a cartwheel. Right, right. And could you really do that? Oh, mate, not a problem. I can absolutely smash an Arab Spring. Did you hear this guy's uh, reasoning behind why he did what he did? He said, and I quote, I saw my mother at the finish... And I jumped to give her a hug. That's all it is. Now, I love my mum, right? But I'm not so much of a mummy's boy that I feel I need to dive towards her in delight when I see her. You know, I think you you said this, H, but it does feel like he may have been trying to cover his, you know, make it take the sting out of what seems to be quite a sort of win at all costs mentality. Yeah. That's exactly it. I think he's because he's it's such a kind of example of extreme competitiveness. So Infinite Tucker, brilliant name. Although he won the race, you're not sure this is a success. Yeah, I think it's another. Well, this happens most weeks, don't we? We we start with yeah. something that's a success, and we then work out it might be a fail, and vice versa. That is a good metaphor for life, though, isn't it? Indeed. Yeah. Sometimes when you think you're failing you are actually succeeding, but you don't realize it until later. So that was uh, that was our sort of mixed feelings on, on that success. Now, H, the time has come. More and more listeners say to me that they find this next bit the most enlightening part of the podcast. Inspiring? Inspiring. So, of course, what we're talking about is the moment where you tell us something you learned on your travels around the world. H, Pray tell, what is your lesson for our listeners this week? Four years ago, I was in Puttaparthi in uh, central southern India. 
as I was involved in the making of a documentary which looked into the phenomenon of fraudulent gurus, their outrageous claims of divine power and so forth. In particular, we were researching Satya Sai Baba, the spiritual leader who purported to be able to materialize vibhuti or holy ash from thin air. Uh, which he then kind of sprinkled into people's open hands. He then went on to sell his holy cow dung ash um, on an industrial scale in large kind of branded packets and so forth. These days, it's clear that there are plenty of people in the area who are a bit scornful of his practices. So I was chatting to a local guy in a bar about life, work and that sort of thing. He said to me, A person with no vitality has six packs of holy ash. Okay. What does that mean? Well, I think what he's trying to say is that if you don't have any dedication and fighting spirit, then you kind of resort resort to fantastical solutions to your problems. That is pretty interesting. Yeah. There are actually quite a number of decent proverbs I learned when I was in India, such as, um, what does the monkey know of the taste of ginger? I'm actually letting that sink in. That is probably the most profound thing you may ever have said to me, but definitely in this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) H, you are our guru for today. Thank you very much for your insight as ever. You're very welcome. Go well. You too. And we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye.